Welcome to the AFC North Talk. Hope you guys enjoyed that intro. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my AFC North Roundtable, my man, Sonny, SCG Sports. Sonny, how you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Also, my man, Quincy Carrier, representing the Browns. Quincy, what's going on? Yeah, man. It's it's a week. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, my guy, Tony. Tony, how you feeling, man? Oh, Ace, I feel oh, fantastic today. Can't wait to talk. We got an hour today. We do an hour. We're doing two, three. I don't know. Let me know how long we're going. Hey, I, I, would suggest, Go I will suggest for you to have the mute button very ready for Tony because I think <laughs> he might extend. Yeah, you, right. you know, you don't have to mute him a couple times. You can't, you can't mute five and up. I mean that's that's reality. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's that's that true. A, so let's let's kick line. this thing off. Uh, let's talk about the train wreck that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, <laughs> we went against the Indianapolis Colts. I'll go first. Just getting into this game, I was kind of shocked that the Bengals came out um, and played how they did because I had talked to someone that informed me of some concerning things going on in the locker room. Uh, there was like a divide in there. It was pretty much in shambles. So seeing what happened with them coming out and going up 21 to zero was definitely shocking. Uh, shout out to the trib for the super chat. The super chat is open. Appreciate that. Two dollars. Well, I was wrong about the Browns kingdom time. Please um, don't start. No, we're two minutes in, guys. No, no, no. But getting into this game, it was it was just a tale of two kind of halves. I mean, obviously, I owe Philip Rivers an apology. Obviously, uh, <laughs> that take was was pretty bad. Apparently, when you play the Bengals, you just look like Philip Rivers from four years ago. But anyways, as you guys know, Bengals go up 21 to zero. Everyone's excited. Everyone's involved. They're getting T Higgins the ball. They're getting Tyler Boyd the ball. They're getting AJ Green the ball. And I'm like, OK, this is this is what I was kind of expecting coming in. And then it's just a complete disaster. Uh, we allow them to have so many plays that that happen. And there was just so many weird things in this game because, number one, John Ross was active and got one snap. And on that snap, it was a running play. And I was not <laughs> surprised because I talked to some people that said if John Ross is going to be active this season, it's going to be because of an injury. So clearly there's some stuff going on there. There's some other stuff with Carlos Dunlap. Um, also, Geno Atkins. So you're you're watching this game. And you're watching the Colts come back, and it's like, okay, are they going to put our best defensive players in, or some of our best defensive players in? No, we're going to go ahead and keep Xavier Williams, who literally was just signed off of waivers a few days ago, and we're going to start an undrafted college free agent and give him more snaps than Carlos Dunlap. That was what was going on, and it was frustrating as a fan watching this because it was like the Bengals were fighting with their selves in terms of the staff and the players and the culture is just like, we're here to play football. Like we're, we're trying to win. And while the Bengals and their coaching staff was doing that, the Colts came back, Phillip rivers played a hell of a game. Uh, Marcus Johnson, I think he just scored another touchdown because he was like open the entire game. T Y Hilton didn't really do anything. Uh, I thought that they were going to attack us with the run, but getting up three scores early, I thought that that was a recipe to beat the Colts. And, you know, I was even making fun of the Colts defense on my live stream, taking pieces of toilet paper and ripping it up. And then Phillip Rivers and the boys came back. It was it was just a disaster. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Joe Burrow makes the big mistake at the end. Bengals lose one, four and one on the season. And then you start to see stuff that comes out like Carlos Dunlap going live yesterday to kind of talk about his frustration. Geno Atkins is frustrated. These were things that I heard before the game. So um, it's it's not good in Cincinnati right now. There's definitely a war between the coaching staff and the team. And it just seems like the season and winning and the priority has just been lost by this entire team. So 
with the Browns coming up, I really do not have much faith. Uh, but that was the Bengals game. So obviously I said that I thought that this was going to be a loss hearing what I heard, uh, but we'll switch it over to Tony. What were your thoughts on this Bengals Colts game? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch one live. Obviously, this one was on at the same time as uh, Steelers-Browns. I caught this on uh, on the Game Pass on the shortcuts there. And I'll tell you what, uh, this was a really strange game. I mean, the, the, like you said, the Bengals came out, and they were on fire. I mean, 21-0 lead on a defense. Now, look, they played – look, it wasn't like the, the, the Colts defense played great against the Browns, but they weren't terrible against the Browns either. They were terrible in the first half of this game. Now, we should mention – Darius Leonard, I don't believe, played in either of those games. And Darius Leonard, very good inside linebacker for them. Not the difference between, you know, playing great and what they did in the first half of this game where Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon were basically doing whatever they wanted. Um, shocking. Shocking that the Bengals got out to such a big lead early. Credit A.J. Green got back on track in this one. A.J. Green looked a little bit more like A.J. Green. Uh, and then credit to T. Higgins because, as I said last week, I didn't think this, this offense could get going until they started finding other options outside of – uh, Tyler Boyd, who was clearly their number one. Well, in this game, you saw A.J. Green stepped up, and T. Higgins had a great run down the sideline, uh, catch and run. You know, he's, He reminds me a little bit of Juju in that, in the idea that, like, when people uh, talked about Juju, they're like, well, he doesn't have the breakaway speed. He can't do it, right? And T. Higgins, same thing. Like, this is not a guy who's going to get the quickness down the field. Uh, no, T. Higgins looked, looked pretty quick on that play. Um, like you said, Ace, I don't know if Phillip Rivers watches AFC North Talk. He might watch AFC North Talk with the way he played in this game. He he might have heard those comments. I mean, he might have played that right before the game. I don't know because he was he was absurdly good in this game. Some of his throws were like pinpoint accurate, the way you would see Phillip Rivers like you know seven years yeah. ago or whatever. Insane. Yeah, credit to Phillip Rivers for, for for showing up in this one, especially with a wide receiver crew like we talked about. It has no, I mean, you know, Michael Johnson was their leading receiver in this game, and he was phenomenal. Um, and, and Mo Ali Cox isn't even playing in this game. So, you know, I, like they, he was good. Uh, I know this is a frustrating loss for the Bengals. It is weird to me that the, the wheels are coming off now because in a season of frustrating losses, I get it, but it's about expectation. Should the, should the fact that the Bengals have been in so many one score games, should that be encouraging or discouraging, right? To me, out from the outside, I look at this Bengals team and I say, that's pretty encouraging, right? They're close. This team is, mm. is getting there. And you look at how many, um, you know, you look at how many holes that this team has to fill. I mean, they, they, they don't have a dominant pass rusher right now. Linebacking crew leaves a lot to be desired. Um, you know, they have a good safety and a good corner, but you probably want to fill uh, spots there. The offensive line, as we talked about, is is a work in progress, to say the least. And now we have this player revolt that's going on. Um, I don't know what to make of it here. I will say from the outside looking in, I hope this player revolt <laughs> ends up in Zach Taylor getting fired because I actually think Zach Taylor's done a good job this year and I would not like to see him be the coach next year. I'd like to see this Bengals team with, with four coaches in three years. I don't I don't get it. Maybe he is. And there's one thing, you know, it, it, it is one thing for Zach Taylor to be a good X's and O's guy, but not a good player relationship guy. And that can very much be the case here. In which case, maybe he does need to let go because, you know, you can't just be a good X's and O's guys. If you're not, you know, if you're, if you're not getting along with your guys, especially the leaders on the team and you lose locker rooms, well, that's not going to change, right? Even if he were to get rid of John Ross and, and Carlos Dunlap and Atkins and, and Darius Phillips and all the guys who are tweeting and Instagramming after the game, even if he gets rid of those guys, you bring the new guys in. If you don't get along with those guys either, well, then, you know, you're just going to lose the next locker room too. So he's got to figure that out. But I think there are encouraging signs in Cincinnati, but the fact that the, the players are turning on, on Zach Taylor definitely makes it a, a weird situation. Yeah, definitely. I think you also mentioned John Ross. If you haven't heard, obviously, breaking news today, John Ross requested a trade. Uh, it seems that it didn't go as far, but we'll see how that plays out as he only played one snap. Uh, but shout out to my man C.T. Pittman uh, for the super chat. He says at least Quincy ate crow and admitted he was wrong on Steelers. 
Um, so that was for four ninety nine. Um, but with that, Quincy, my man, what do you have to say about this Bengals, this Bengals uh, Colts game? Hey, Tony, you brought up an interesting point, right? Where you're like, hey, you know, these are lo- these are close losses. These are one point. I don't know what to make of them. And you are a Stiller fan. You don't understand how bad teams go. And look, I'm gonna tell you right now. I saw an 0 16 team lose 10 games by one point it was not a good sign um, so I, I just don't take much stock into that I think what's going on with those one point losses is that hey look the Bengals are a good team and at the beginning of the season I, when I say good team I think they have a good roster and at the beginning of the season those kind of things can carry you you can win a game or two here um And those things will kind of prop you up a little bit because at the beginning of the season, everybody is motivated to play. Everybody is ready to take those hits. But what's happening now is we're entering that part of the season where people are injured. People are playing injured. People are hurt. People are losing playing time. People don't know what's going on. And when you mess with veterans, like the one thing with veteran players, veteran players do not like to have their snaps messed with. They like to get their snaps exactly where they get their snaps. I'm, I'm pretty sure you noticed this in Pittsburgh, Tony, where you're, there are players who get snaps in very specific areas for that Pittsburgh team, like a Brett Kiesel or somebody like that, who their snaps just don't get messed with. Even when they get off the team for like three years and they sign them like in the middle of the year, Brett Kiesel gets his snaps where Brett Kiesel normally gets his snaps. Um, and, and what's going on with the Bengals is that they have a young coach who's trying to move all these young players in. He's messing with all these guys' snaps. They're not happy. I mean, look at the names who are upset. These are Marvin Lewis guys, you know, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. Um, Darius Phillips is a guy who came up. Was well, he pretty good in, under Marvin Lewis, I believe? Um, yeah, he's pretty solid. He's better yeah. than Sean Sims, I'll say that. But I mean. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like these, these are guys who who – are, who might have been like open to this whole Zach Taylor experiment, but now they're like, nah, man, it was better with Marvin. You know, and that's just going to continue to seep into the the fabric of the team where people are like, nah, it was better this way, it was better that way, and that that kind of thing. It's very hard for a coach to get themselves out of, and unless you're a all time great coach, like I think John Harbaugh might be the only coach who can do this because I think John Harbaugh might be the best player relationship coach in the NFL when it comes to these kind of things. He's like the only dude that can do it. And I don't think Zach Taylor is John Harbaugh. So it, that's just going to be what it is for him. Young coaches learn uh, very fast. that This ain't all about X's and O's, especially when you're the head coach. It's about those relationship things. It's the thing with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was a great X's and O coach. People hated him. Same thing with Greg Williams. Great X's and O defenses coach. But if you ever watch him after two years, people hate him. It just is what it is. If you can't work those relationships, if you can't work the room, if you can't make both veterans and young players like you, you will be gone very fast in the NFL. And as somebody who has seen more head coaching changes than any other franchise in this in this chat, I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what's happening to Zach Taylor. So he's out. He's a dead man walking. He's not going to survive this season. He might well, he's not going to survive the end of the season. He might survive the season because they don't want to look like the Browns. And a lot of what the Bengals do is I don't want to be the Browns. Like that's why they hanged on to Marvin Lewis for so long because like Ace knows this there's a whole contingent of Cincinnati's like we ain't the Browns and they will do anything not to be the Browns even if it's against their own help um so yeah they're not going to do that because they're they don't want to look like Jimmy Haslam by any means they despise the Browns I get it you know I wouldn't want to either um but it has to has something has to be done because you're going to waste a prime opportunity here where you have Joe Joe Burrow on your team who yeah he threw the late interception he's a rookie quarterback the fact that he was in that game early you know puts everything in perspective there for you so you have Joe Burrow all you need to get Joe Burrow is an offensive line that's really all you need to do 
make some signings on the offensive line, which is easier said than done. But if you fix that offensive line, this team is much, much better. If you put Joe Burrow in better positions, this team is much, much better. And I expect them to do something along those lines. Maybe they bring in, ah, I forget his name, Pete Carmichael from New Orleans, who's been a longtime offensive coordinator for New Orleans over there. Also a guy who mentored Joe Brady, who Joe Burrow had a lot of success in. Maybe this is finally the opportunity that Pete Carmichael gets to coach Joe Burrow. But the question with Pete is, can he handle, is he an X's and O's guy or is he a guy who can handle the locker room? But you got options there. I would start looking at those options. Um, the Bengals look like they are having deeper issues at the seams than I anticipated. And although they do have a good roster, although I think they're not going to be an easy win, um, they're closely trending towards that direction of self implosion. I saw the Browns doing 2019. Yeah. In 2019. Definitely for sure. So shout out to the trib for the $2 super chat. He says that the Bengals will be straight. A lot of young talent. Let's, let's hope. Um, but uh, right now, the Bengals have become the old Browns. I'm not going to say the new Browns, but the old Browns is, is definitely trending in that direction after these last two seasons, especially with him having that Hugh Jackson-like record there. But, Sonny, what was your thoughts on this game? Look, it, it was funny because I messaged you guys like, yo, Bengals, because I picked the Bengals to win. I said, like, they can win like, in a ner- uh, narrow margin, and they lost on a narrow margin. This team came hot. Touchdown, 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 field goal, right? Can't ask for any better start than that. Like, literally any team will take that start. And then it was like, so I went back and watched this game. So I was watching, like, damn, that, this looks good. The first drive, oh, my God. Oh my, It's a, like a beautiful scene, right? If you're a Bengals fan, those first drive, you're like, can't go any better than this. And it felt like in halftime, somebody said, like, yo, we're winning. We're not supposed <laughs> to win. What are we doing? <laughs> Why are we winning? And then the Colts were probably pissed off. I think it was 24-7, I think, by half. Um, the Colts, obviously, they have aspirations. This is why they signed Phil's for $25 million in one year. And the Colts slowly made it back again. Look, one thing I don't like about the Bengals, I said this last week, rookie quarterback on a bad O-line, you will want to limit the pass attempts. 39 pass attempts almost seems like they weren't up that big early, right? After they were up that big, you would think they would establish the run a little bit more. They will put play action, especially Burrow getting hit so much, more quick passes, right? And I saw some of that, but I would have wanted to see more, especially, again, with that O-line not protecting Burrow as much as they could. Um, I, I think overall, like I said, it, the potential is there in, in, in for the Bengals. The potential is there. And I like a lot of the stuff that I see from Burrow. I, I cannot say, oh, Burrow had an awful game. As I went back and saw the game, even when blitzing versus with Baltimore, although Baltimore was getting faster to, to Burrow and the blitz, I saw him in the blitz staying, staying, staying tall and just waiting for it, right? Like waiting and, and basically saying, if I'm going to get hit, I'm going to get hit, but I'm not just going to throw the lollipop that he threw in Baltimore, right? Uh, that I know he threw the pick late, but it wasn't like, like again, in Baltimore, he just threw an arch. Like anybody can got that ball. Um, so I saw actually him learning from the experience in Baltimore. This is, a, a, it was, like I said, a tale of two halves. Now, what, with the veterans getting not as many snaps, I almost felt like, now, you, you have more insights than I do. 
it almost felt like they somebody said probably yo trading deadline's coming these guys don't want to be here we might get some assets from them they're in the older side let's just shelve them we don't want them to blow an acl in this game and then we cannot trade them let's just shelve them we're probably gonna get some value again you might know more than i do but that's almost how it felt because it was weird. You're winning and you start benching, benching, right? Limiting the snap from those better players. Go ahead, Quincy. Quincy. Yeah, this is one of the things I mentioned. I think last year when I was talking to Ace about the Bengals was I thought they should have traded everybody for this exact reason. If you're going to put Zach, if you're going to put, what, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor in charge. You can't have a bunch of dudes who used to be loyal to the last guy in that locker room still. That's why I thought they should have got rid of Gino last year. They should have got rid of AJ. They should have, you know, got rid of Andy when they could have got something for him rather than in free agency. Because I felt like you needed to give your head coach a clean slate. If you look at what happened in Miami with Brian Flores, I don't know if Brian Flores is that much more of an experienced or qualified head coaching candidate than Zach Taylor is, but they gave Zion Flores the complete clean slate. They got yeah. everybody out of there. Minka, yeah. everybody out of there, whether it was good or bad for them. And you look at that team, they're trending in a much more positive direction, even though Tua hasn't played yet. We'll see what he looks like. Um, but they're pointing in a much more positive direction because – they allowed their new head coach to be able to build it from the ground up and have his own guys and have his his um his young guys and you know work it his way. That's the issue with the Bengals is that look, a head coach relies a lot on his veterans for that locker room stuff, and when them veterans ain't really with you, you stand no chance as, as a as a young head coach. And the Bengals really didn't set him up because the Bengals again they don't want to be the Browns. They don't want to give up everybody and yeah. do that. And I understand the thinking behind that, but also if you're going to put somebody that young and Zach Taylor as a head coach, you really ought to give him the choice of his own veterans to bring in that are going to ride with him. So when things get tough and young players like, why we ain't doing this, you can have a veteran in the locker room kind of close that fire down before it gets too big. But now that young dude's going off like a John Ross is mad about something and you got Carlos Dunlap in the locker room like, hey, when Marvin was here and that's never going to be a good situation, that's always going to blow up. Um, and it's always going to be a problem. So, you know, the Bengals, I hope for the next guy they bring in, they do something similar like that. You know, you have Joe Burrow, you have some young players, but you got to, you just got to cut bait with all the old Marvin Lewis guys because at some point they're going to make the new head coach's job harder, whoever he is. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that to uh, a point. Go ahead, Sonny. Oh, no. The last thing I wanted to say is, I, I I will say I messed up with two players that I didn't like that have been playing great in, in this portion of the season. I personally wasn't a big fan of Higgins. I thought Higgins should have been probably like a third rounder. I was surprised when Cincinnati picked him up early in the second. Uh, so that was obviously an awful take. And then um, Claypool, ben. both of them have played really, I mean, way better than I thought. I'm talking about the rookies. Yes, Ben too. But I'm talking about the rookies specifically, because uh, those two I, I evaluated. I was I was not a fan of three receivers that went early: Hamler, Claypool, and and um and Higgins. And the three of them, Hamler the, the least, but the three of them have been playing great. I think Higgins is, man, he can be the next agent, meaning for for uh, the Bengals, not necessarily a top five receiver, but for the Bengals that outside big threat receiver, Higgins have been right. playing great, man. Yes, yeah. So uh, piggybacking off of what Quincy said. Um, 
he had he definitely said some things that were right there. You definitely don't want to keep players that may not gel with uh, the new coaching staff. The issue is that, and I think the biggest issue with uh, Marvin's guys, quote unquote, because at the end of the day, honestly, there are Duke Tobin guys who's who's still there, and I was able to confirm that. The past two years before Marvin left, apparently he kind of got into it with the front office, wanted them to do things like fix the line and stuff like that. Pretty much just gave up and, and just kind of moved on. Uh, but but one thing I think is when you look at Marvin Lewis and when he was here, he had a lot on his resume. He had coaches on his staff with Long resumes. You talk about Hugh Jackson, uh, whether you like him or not, you know, coached at USC, coached at all of these places, was a head coach. He had a wealth of experience. You talk about Jay Gruden, John Gruden's brother, a well-respected coach. You talk about Mike Zimmer, you know, Coach Dion was was with the Cowboys and all of that. Zach Taylor has no resume. A lot of the coaches on this team, when you look at his coaching staff, him and him included, he was only an interim offensive coordinator, and that was because, like, the coaching staff in Miami uh, got canned, and they had no choice but to give him offensive play calling duties. So he's never even been an offensive coordinator in the league. So he went from a positional coach to offensive coordinator immediately, never was an yeah. assistant head coach or anything like that. You talk about Luana Rumu. Let's talk about him. Never was a defensive coordinator in the league, ever, ever. So you're talking about guys that were coached by guys like Hugh Jackson, Marvin Lewis, all of these guys that have all of this stuff. And then they get these guys that, you know, had a cup of coffee with with uh, with uh, Sean McVay. And they're just supposed to bow down to everything that they say. Like these guys. Now, if it was someone else that was more notable that had a history, I think that these players would respect him and and come in and, and abide by what they're saying. But when you're taking guys that were undrafted free agents and starting them over Carlos Dunlap and stuff like that, it just honestly doesn't make sense. And that same thing that players are demanding from him in terms of him being critical of them, he doesn't do with his own staff. Jim Turner is responsible for this, this uh, disaster. And, I mean, it's bad as a fan to literally watch announcers say why are they in zone what are they doing what is this coordinator doing it's not just Bengals players it's not just guys in the locker room it's literally everyone looking around saying these guys don't know what they're doing and they're over their head it came out today that they're trying to figure out who's calling who was responsible for the disasters on the third down because philip rivers was just eating it all up it comes out today that not only does the defensive coordinator not call the plays on third down they allow the linebacker coach to call the third down plays. That's what they do in Cincinnati. That's what Zach Taylor does. So it's it's been a lot of weird stuff going on there. And I think that is attributed to inexperience. Quincy's right. If if certain players, if you bring in a new coach and they don't jive with that, then I get it. But you have to bring in a guy that people are going to respect, that's going to command some sense of of that. And I've talked to players that are no longer on the team. And that's what they said last year. They would question the game plan and they would be like, well, this isn't going to work in the NFL. Like, like my, that, that's not going to happen. Like they're going to eat this up. And Zach and his coaching staff would be like, well, we know what we're doing. And they would kind of push those guys away. And it's crazy that he says that, you know, there's a, he, he does this press conference the other day, not to get off on a tangent, but he's like, it's an open door. And I've heard for facts, it is not an open door. It is the furthest thing from an open door. Um, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. And I'll tell you guys some stuff off the air that I've heard about Zach Taylor. But 
But Quincy is right to a to a uh, fact. Like if Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap are playing and they're just complete garbage or something like that, you have to move on. Um, but the fact that they've pissed off so many players is just it's just honestly ridiculous. And it's to the point where you can't even trade them for anything. So it would be something that they were getting snaps and they had film and people could be like, hey, we'll give you a third rounder for Geno Atkins. Geno Atkins played like 17 snaps in the last game. Like there's not like John Ross has not played. So it's like, what do you even what does someone even give you for that? Um, so I definitely understand that. But moving on to the next game. And before right, I do we that, we have a game. huge super chat here from Billy Williams. Uh, $20. Appreciate it, Billy. Love the content. Quincy, keep the Steelers hate alive. They aren't the king until they beat the king. Go Ravens. Um, so with that said, let's get into the Ravens game. Uh, Ravens Eagles. This was a crazy game. I'm, I'm going to have to let Sonny explain this to me because at first when I was watching, I'm like, oh, this is a blowout. This is over. And then I'm looking, I'm like, 30 to 28, what is going on? So, Sonny, um, talk to us about these Ravens, man. This is literally the Bengals game without the Bengals outcome. Two halves. Ravens first half, domination. Like, like I mean, Carson Wentz could do nothing. I thought the guys was going to get killed. I mean, we were hitting him left, right. Calais Campbell, man, he was just in the backfield all game long. We were pass rushing without blitzing and then we added the blitz and we were still hitting him um so so that was the first half the defense dominated the offense play okay the second half look it was basically three big plays that the eagles pull they came with the long run right i, I forgot 60 yards something like that uh which it was a fumble to the end zone that an eagle player caught for a touch that was the first score uh, and then there was a big play. Uh, I will say in the second half, the guy that got that kept getting beat was Marcus Peters. He got beat twice, big, and got uh, called for a defensive pass interference. And I will say, because I, I see this from a lot of my Ravens guys, oh, the refs screw us up. No. The refs had one horrible call and maybe a couple of ticky-tacky calls that don't make a difference in the game. There was one bad call for a – 50-yard, I think, penalty, so it's huge, and that set up for them to have the second touchdown uh, over Marcus Peters. Um, so that was bad. And then on the two-minute drill, look, the Ravens in the second half, they look on interest. The offense specifically look on interest. The defense, again, they gave up a couple big plays, but they kept playing hard. The offense look on interest. I, was, I said this on, on Twitter last year. We were winning, in my opinion, because of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was everything. The defense played good, but Jackson was the motor behind it. But this year we're winning despite uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has had good games, not great games. I understand that that middle of the O-line has not played good. The middle of the O-line is not playing good, so he's getting pressure from the middle of the O-line. And what I would expect all Lamar Jackson to do is as soon as he sees that middle of the O-line collapsing, he goes out and boom, uh, you know, hits him for a big game. And he did that uh, during the game. He ran more. He had more explosive plays through the to the run. Uh, but there's something, for some reason, he always liked to throw them the sidearm, which I'm fine when the, the defenders put their hands up. But now he's getting to the point that there's literally a hole, right? So he can either run or he can throw. He decides to throw, and he sidearm it. And for no reason, right? And 
the ball's not getting to the receiver. He he is something that he needs to do. Now we get into the bye week, which is perfect time. Um, because the offense, again, I think the defense is playing really good, but the offense is letting this team down. Oh, uh, well, well, the other thing I will say is in the second half, the offense was pulling three and outs, five plays, um, similar to what happened to the bank, um, to the Browns, right? So they were getting the ball back quick. So I think some of those big plays was the defense got tired. The defense got tired. And the offense wasn't holding the ball long enough for them just to get a rest. So, and shout out to the trip here. Who should we trade for? Uh, for the pass rush? For, uh, look, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure who's out there, right? Uh, I know a couple uh, Ravens fans are excited that there's chaos in the Bengals locker room. And they're like, oh, can we get Dunlap? Can we get Atkins? Can we get some of their players? I'm like, I doubt that the Bengals will trade it to, to the rivals in the north. Unless you overpay for these players, um, and I mean, maybe you can top into the Jaguars if they have anybody in Bali. But the, the best one over there is Allen, right? And Allen is a young player. I mean, he's in his second year. Why would you trade him? He's a building piece. Um, there's not that many teams. I mean, if you go back to the Giants, Giants don't have anything worth trading for, in my opinion. Same as the Jets. So. I, I, I'm not sure. I would say EDC usually comes with great trades with Marcus Peters for a fifth round, Calais Campbell for a fifth round. Those were two amazing trades. So we'll see. But yeah, this was a tale of two halves. The offense needs to step up. The offense needs to play better. The defense, I think, will be okay. I think the defense played great. The offense needs to play better, hold the ball a little bit more. Oh, yeah. So I will say, too, one of the things that's very non, non like a Raven, right? Ravens usually play very, very clean. We don't get that many penalties. And if we get penalties, it could be the defense, right? Because the defense usually gets penalized more. The offense, I think, got nine or ten penalties, including a couple times in legal formation. Uh, I think, like, four times in legal formation. One was... um. Uh, Stanley was lined up badly. The other time, um, Orlando Brown got lined up badly. I mean, the offense was completely out of sync. So, bye week came in the right time because back-to-back -back weeks, I see the offense out of sync. After that loss against Kansas City, I feel like the offense has been completely out of sync. This is the time, bye week. Let's just recalibrate, ready to get this, and smash the Steelers the following week after the bye. Ace, you're muted. Uh, you're muted. Sorry, it looks like there's another Trib uh, Super Chat here, and he says he loves their aggressiveness, but it hurts us a lot against bad teams. Also, we should get a number one at wideout. Odell, question mark? Uh, yeah, because so the Browns are going to trade Odell back into the freaking Ravens. Okay, no, yeah. but I would say the aggressiveness, the only team that has hurt us was against Kansas City, right? So far, I could be right in the future, but so far against Kansas City. Other than Kansas City, most teams haven't been able to handle the blitz. And again, we have been we are the only teams that we haven't blown out now the Eagles and obviously Kansas City. And the, for the other part, I think the defense has just pushed the the, the, the other teams out, man. Uh, and I get again Lamar in the early in the year played better. Now it's to the point that I think I don't know what's wrong. By week, the offense needs to resync. Miles Boykins has not played well. Miles Boykins looks completely out of sync. Anytime Lamar throws to Miles Boykins, a completely uh, miscommunication. There was one that Lamar was uh, expecting a comeback. Miles Boykins kept running, right? It's completely miscommunication. 
the offense needs to get back in sync. The defense keep playing as they are. Yeah, I think that there's a couple things going on right now in, in Baltimore, and this is just an outsider's perspective. I honestly think that Lamar Jackson is hurt. I mean, he just didn't look like Lamar Jackson when we played against you guys. I think that it's still kind of carrying over. And I think that it's just kind of been silenced a little bit to just kind of keep the panic button from being hit there. Um, but hopefully, I think after you guys get him rested through the bye, I think that that helps. But I think Sonny also hit on another thing there. And I think everyone has when it comes to Baltimore. Who are the weapons outside of Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown? They have not been getting anything consistently from there. So okay. is this a, a thing where they try to get a move, make a move to make something happen? Possibly. We'll see. I think that that's, that's definitely important for them um, to start to wake up that offense for sure. Uh, and then, I mean, this Eagles team, Carson Wentz has just really been taking a beating this entire year. And, and somehow he's still getting up and trying to to make a valiant effort here. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of changing my tune on him because – you know, he's doing what he can to try to go out swinging before these Philly fans really turn on him. And the fact that the NFC least and I, I say NFC least, that's not a mistake. Um, and the reason why he's still in there is because this is still open. Like we could be talking about the Eagles or potentially uh, Andy Dalton, Blandy Dalton led Cowboys team <laughs> winning this division. So, I mean, I think the Eagles are still fighting. It was. I think that this was crazy. Like Sonny said, we didn't expect this, especially with so many injuries, so many guys out. But it looks like the the Travis Fogum kid um, is somewhat legit. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was this was what we kind of expected. So I'm going to shift it to Tony. I'm ex I'm surprised to hear Sonny glowingly talk about his defense when last week you'll remember that when my Steelers gave up 28 to this same Eagles team. He said they were soft. Soft is the word he used. Now, Sonny, I, I hope you had a chance to watch Steelers-Browns on Sunday because there, there was not a soft defense. There in was Pittsburgh. no softness there. Yes, thank you. Okay, so let, here, let's talk about this Ravens team for a second because, okay, the Eagles clearly, their offense was good. Again, maybe this Travis Fulgham kid is just legit. Maybe Carson Wentz, we, we were too quick after four games to say, hey, this guy's trash, right? Well, even though we've seen this guy be good in the, in the NFL. There is something weird, though, going on with the Baltimore Ravens right now. And I, I, can't, I actually can't put my finger on it. You, you talk about uh, maybe there's miscommunication on offense and everything, and guys are on the same page. Ace talks about maybe an injury. There's definitely something going on offensively because when I watch this team, they are not the same as they were a year ago. Now, obviously, when, when you think about how good they were last year, there was going to be natural regression to that. I think everyone assumed you have an offseason to prepare for that kind of thing now, right? Not to say that they're figured out. They're just, obviously, this offense is not figured out. They're still putting up points. But there's something off about this offense. And, and the craziest thing to me is that if you look at their numbers uh, in the, by like EPA or by DVOA, right, some of the advanced analytics, they're like average in the NFL. I, by EPA, they're 15th in the National Football League on offense. And, and defense, or excuse me, on offense and DVOA, which opponent adjusts, they're right there, they're 16th as well. I mean, this is a team a year ago that was number one by a mile, okay, in, in offense. And this year, they've come back down to league average. So uh, it's it's strange to watch. I can't actually put my finger on what's happening with this Ravens team. Uh, obviously, defensively, like Sonny said, I think they're playing well. I do. I actually do. I'm not going to trash. I'm not going to call their defense soft. Their defense is playing well. They're actually getting pressure at a higher rate than I would have expected, given that they don't have a dominant pass rusher, right? They kind of do it by committee. Uh, you know, if, in fact, if you ever watched the first episode of the AFC North Talk back on Sonny's channel a year and a half ago, pass rush by committee was, was, was Sonny's argument back then uh and, and they are getting pressure they're getting pressure on 30 percent of snaps so far so like defensively you know they, they can carry it along I, again i'm not a defense matters in 2020 type guy so this offense has to figure it out 
I'm not, but I'm not sure what the problem is. You said so. I can't diagnose what's wrong with this team. I just know it's worse than it was. Yeah, definitely. So shout out to my man Justin Mitchell for the super chat of two dollars. He says, "So Quincy, will you use those trash PFF stats?" And it looks like we also have another one for Matt Bond for five dollars. Appreciate that, sir. You're right, Justin Mitchell. Q, you shouldn't look at garbage, quote unquote, PF PFF stats, and just go off of what wow. you hear in these chats. Much more reliable. That's I would think I would think Hollywood Brown's the next coming to Tyreek Hill. That that wasn't hey, true. Hey, hey, uh, also, 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 um, y'all think that same thing about PFF stats when it comes to Tyson Alu Alu and TJ Watt, who say they're the best interior deep with defensive linemen in football, or, or are they garbage still? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay, still a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's only the bad ones that don't go in your favor that don't count. Pretty okay. good this week. Yeah, hey, they ran blocked it. We gonna get to that. We gonna get to that. We talking about Ravens, Ravens, and Philly. Who Philly? Who just don't want to take? They beat that booty special. They just don't want to eat it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> they got. They were supposed to give the Bengals one earlier in the season. They tied, and then you know <laughs> Pittsburgh and Baltimore back to back supposed to beat it down. They play really tight games against them no puns intended but it's just philly i think we're finding out a little bit better of a team playing more to what they should have carson Wentz regressing more to the mean i'm not regressing but progressing more to the mean um you know sometimes some players can have like it's like josh allen right josh allen start off like oh my god insanely great and then like you know in the first half of that game against uh kansas city look like josh allen so again they're gonna regress back to a kind of level where they're normally at when you see those kind of jumps. So it's nice to see that for the Eagles. Not nice to see that before the Browns play the Eagles, but whatever. We'll get to that when we get to that. Um, but for the Ravens, you know, you mentioned the offense not looking the same after Kansas City. I think it's been a consistent problem since the start of the season with this Ravens offense. It's something that I even pointed out why I thought that they couldn't beat Kansas City, why Kansas City could beat them by multiple scores was the offense, you know, even against Cleveland, they had some issues scoring in the red zone when that game was close early on. And then, of course, Cleveland gave them nothing but red zone touches and they did a lot there and they were successful there. Um, but, you know, the red zone scoring wasn't great against Kansas City. It's kind of been up and down. Lamar hasn't been as consistent through the air as he was last year. It looks like they're trying to put more emphasis on the outside um, receiving threats, and it's just not there. Um, Hollywood Brown's not that much of a difference maker at that position. Um, I think you need an actual difference maker there. You know what I mean? I think they need to get somebody to develop into that. I just don't think it's Antonio. I don't think it's not Antonio Brown. Um, Hollywood Brown, I think he's a guy who can benefit from a good number one and be really explosive in that way. Again, my comp for him is Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn's somebody who's really good. If you give somebody, if you give him somebody who could do some specific things next to him, that's just not what Marquise Brown has. So I'm not going to be too hard on him, even though I'm really hard on Marquise Brown. Um, I just don't think he has a proper setup in order for him to be successful. And that's why he's out here looking like Tyree kill every week. Uh, but everything else with the Ravens again, this is under the context that this is a 12 and 14, one of the teams that have a chance to win the division, one of the teams that have a chance to break out the AFC. So this is a good team, but you know, <laughs> what did somebody say? No, I'm <laughs> laughing at you saying Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah I just Ty caught Week that. Here. 
Yeah, that's his name, Tyreek Hill, baby. Uh, y'all shouldn't have did all that in the offseason. But, you know, it is what it is with them and with that. And I'm wondering how long will it take them for Lamar and this offense to go like, we're just going to do what we did last year. Because what they did last year worked against Kansas City to a point. What they when they When they turn it up and they decide Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and a running back of our choosing is going to dominate this game, they dominate the game. Nobody has figured that out yet. And, you know, what Tennessee did don't really work against that. So when they do that, they're great. But it seems like they're trying and trying to, like, spread this out and have more diverse options there at receiving that just aren't there. Um, And I just think that it's time for the Ravens to understand, hey, look, you had a lot of hopes for Marquise Brown, but it ain't what you thought it was. We need to make him more of a complimentary guy, maybe make him part of the run game screens. Maybe those things work. But he's not a guy who you could put on one-on-one coverage and can just break free. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's Tyreek Hill. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is with him. And he's not even the best Tyreek Hill in the NFL. That goes to Nico Perman, who's on the same team as the Chiefs. This is ridiculous that the Chiefs have this much talent. But, yeah, that is what it is. John with Ross him. might be joining them pretty soon. I don't know. John Ross ain't even in the category to be Tyreek Hill. He don't get yeah. snaps. Come on now. Come on he now. will be good with Andy Reid. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be Tyreek Hill, but that would be scary, like having all those guys on one team. I would say Terry McLaurin is a close Tyreek Hill. Like, I think he might be the second best Tyreek McLaurin, McLaurin's good, yeah. Yeah, McLaurin's really good. He just has bad players around him. But, yeah, um, with the Ravens, again, limited amount of things to worry about. You're a 12 and 14. There's, like, five teams that could take advantage of this. Obviously, we found out Steelers might be one of them. Hey, you know, credit off to them. We'll talk about my my uh, come to Jesus moment with the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> this Sunday in a few minutes. I'm trying to stall so we don't get there. You know, uh, it's almost there. We can feel it. Yeah, but you know, with the Ravens, the offense stuff has to get figured out. I think they just Greg Roman and and John Harbaugh have to say, "Hey, man." You get to the bye week. If it's still not looking smooth at the bye week, then are you guys at the bye week now? The Ravens are in the bye week. Ravens, yeah. Yeah. So you're at the bye week. It it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. Let's just come out after this bye week. You got some really must-win games on your docket. Just do what you did last year. Dominate that way and commit to that and then figure it out in the offseason what you're going to do to get some better outside threats, which might be just bringing in somebody in free agency. Shout out to Justin Mitchell in the super chat uh, for $2. He says, yes, those stats make my point. And then shout out to our own Tony Serino with the two dollar tie week for sure. Um, so so with that said, we're gonna get into what you guys are all waiting for. You guys have been waiting for this moment. And oh, week, week seven preview. We're just gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and talk to my man, show. my man Sonny, and we're gonna talk about this this Pittsburgh Steelers Browns matchup. Oh god. Yeah, so one of the things that I said uh, was if I actually picked the Browns, right? And let me start with a caveat. I do still think the Browns are a good team. They got to a realization maybe they're not as good as the Steelers, right? Uh, in Baltimore, because those are the two, well, two out of three losses, but obviously the, those, those two losses were big. But saying that, look, I said – the Browns winning for me, I think most of us said it was running the ball. Run the ball, establish the play action. Well, it's hard to run the ball when you start the game basically 10-0, right? If, if if you go – I watched this game, but if you go start the game, Steelers tired with a field goal, and then three plays, pick six, right? So 10-0. 
Then punt, punt, punt is basically, and then the second quarter, the Steelers blew out. And if you think about it, the Browns go interception, right? And then three plays, five plays, five plays. Then the Steelers go touchdown, four plays interception, right? So the Steelers are, or the Browns are basically not holding the ball like, like I was saying about the Ravens. Not giving the the, the Steelers or, or their defense a chance to just recoup, so eventually the Steelers just take advantage and just kill them. Right, that second quarter for the Steelers, touchdown, touchdown. So now they're up twenty four zero, and again the Browns, in my opinion, are excellent. Well, top of the league as a running team. So yes, they don't have shove, but now with no play action because the Steelers are like, well, they need to throw. That basically opened the floodgates. Baker wasn't particularly sharp. I think um, uh, Minka played good. I think the corners played good. I think the pressure got to Baker. There was that one, it wasn't a sack, uh, that the guy was uh, holding Baker by their foot. And I don't know, Tony can remember who it was from the from the Steelers that came and just clogger Baker from the back. I mean, Baker looked like he didn't want to come up after that hit. That was uh, as the second quarter was finishing. Uh, you know, it, it's just it was a beatdown. Uh, Baker and and well, the whole uh, Browns team didn't look good. They didn't look necessarily ready. Again, you start ten nil after the second uh, after the first drive of the Browns. You start ten zero, right? Uh, and from that, it just it just goes back. Correct the Steelers. Great defense. Great pass rush. Uh, they played good on the outside, on the defensive side. Uh, they were creative. Uh, I thought it was clever when they moved Claypool and they got in a sweep for the touchdown. I thought that was good. I think the Steelers came with an overall great game plan. Big Ben looked sharp. Everybody in the Steelers looked good. They looked sharp. It looked like basically one team was ready and the other team wasn't, right? And, yeah, I, I saw that, oh, it's time to bench Baker. I, I don't think that's productive. You will find out at the end of the year if Baker is your guy or not. I understand why they bench in this game. You weren't winning. Guy is hurt. Why make him get more hurt against a Steelers team that can pass rush you, right? So, but bench him for Clay Skeena. No, you finished with Baker this year. And if at the end of the year he doesn't do his thing, then you can talk about benching him or moving away from him. But you're talking about a loss against a good team, right? Top of the league team in, in the Steelers. He didn't look sharp, so this is the time for him to reassemble, recoup, and then play good in the rest of the schedule, right? So I thought, again, this is not a diss in the Browns. The Browns didn't play good. Baker did not play good. But give the credit to the Steelers because the Steelers look ready to play, and they were sharp. And, I mean, you cannot say anything bad about how the Steelers came out. Uh, so first of all, shout out to DF Sports. He gave us a two ninety nine super chat. Appreciate that, sir. Says Mayfield needs to trust his eyes slash ability. Um, and then we also have a couple more here. Uh, one uh, from the trip for two dollars. Steelers beat the Browns like they stole something. And uh, Tony 
Sereno, you know, we don't know that guy. Two dollar super chat says Steelers are a top of the league. No, I didn't, uh, actually, Tony didn't say that. Actually, he was just quote Tony. This Tony guy was actually just quoting Sunny. Oh, just quoting sure. Sunny. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just make sure we got okay. that for the record. Just for the record. Okay. Just wanted to got get that it. down for the record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got that that for the record. Sunny has has said it officially. It's in the book. Thanks for the fifty cents, Sunny. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so, uh, from from what I saw in this game, I think. Uh, I picked the Browns, right? I was very uncomfortable in picking the Browns. And I hate to say this because when I played my parlay ticket this weekend, oh, I no. picked the Steelers on the money. I picked the Steelers <laughs> on the money. I just couldn't look when at you Baker Mayfield. On it. I couldn't look at Bayfer, Baker Mayfield and be like, yeah, I'm investing my money in that. It and and for me, the issue, the issue to me was Baker Mayfield got in a position where he had to come from behind and throw the ball. We all see how that kind of turned out. But the other issue that has been surprising to me is ever since Nick Chubb has gone down, this Browns running offense has not been the same. And I, obviously Kareem Hunt is an immense talent, but I think that's some, something that's lost in translation is just how good Nick Chubb is, right? And I think that they're solely missing them. But we said that the key to this game was could the Steelers stop the run? And they did. The other thing that the Steelers were able to do, they controlled the line of scrimmage. This was the best defensive line in the AFC North versus the best offensive line in the AFC North. And the defensive line came out on top. They had four sacks. They ran on the parade. And then when you just look at it from a perspective, like Ben didn't play amazing. I mean, 162 passing yards and a touchdown. You know, he didn't he didn't blow it out the water. He didn't throw two or 300 yards on this Browns defense. But James Conner came and brought it with 101 yards. Chase Claypool. James Washington comes out of nowhere. I don't even – where was he at this season? I mean, it seems like every week the Steelers have this random receiver that just steps it up each week, week in and week out. And it, it really is impressive what they're doing there. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster did not hurt uh, as much. I mean, six yards on a couple of receptions, but they've got guys stepping up where they don't have to depend on Juju week in, week out. Steelers are a good team. Uh, obviously, they have a great defense, and it just seems that Baker Mayfield is is the guy that's holding the Browns back now. They have some time to figure it out, figure out how to get him back on that Andy Dalton diet. Got to get him back on that Andy Dalton diet. And maybe we can do something there, or if they pivot, whatever they choose to do, this is not time to hit the panic button. You're a four and two team. Uh, this was a big game. Obviously, I know as a Bengals fan what it's like to try to get big wins against the Steelers, and there's that mental hurdle there where it's like it's the Steelers. We haven't beaten them. They've continuously dominated them. But this isn't the time to freak out. You're not Cincinnati. It's like the reverse this season. Like we're not instead of it being us not wanting to be the Browns, you guys are not Cincinnati. So you know, wait for Nick Chubb to get healthy, regroup. And try to give a better effort next time against the Steelers. So hopefully the next time we see this matchup, it will be completely different, a little bit closer. So we'll see how that goes. But lots of respect to the Steelers. I mean, they're doing it this season. This is the first time that they're five and zero. And I don't know how. I'm, I'm pretty sure Tony knows the exact. Yeah, okay. 1978. Yep, 1978. Yeah. So they're doing their thing. So so house house to the Steelers. Uh, obviously. Like like Sonny said, they're a top team. And I think I just threw up up in my mouth saying that. But. Uh, <laughs> We'll go ahead and, and read some of these super chats. My man, the Trib is pretty much paying the mortgage for this channel right now. I appreciate that, sir. But he says, hear me out, Q. It may seem like I'm trolling, but I'm not. Case is a better QB right now. For 2021, I'll take Baker. But, but for right now, Baker's been in a year plus rut individually. And then there's also another one here from my man, um df sports it looks they're like they're arguing with each other they're actually this is this is actually an argument between trib and df sports 
have patience with Mayfield. He's relearning. So uh, with that said, let's turn it over to my man, Quincy. What's going on, bro? All right, I'm going to get to the Case Keenum stuff in a second, but I just got to say real quick, uh, what about his tape in Denver makes anybody think, oh, yeah, this is the guy. This is, this is going to be the one who saves us, Case Keenum. All right, anyways, wait, anyways, we'll get there. We'll get there. First off, I got to start by giving flowers to Pittsburgh because you know what? People doubted them. They said they're 4-0. I said they're 4-0 was pretty much worthless. They beat nobody. They're going to play a real team in Cleveland, and you're going to see what happens. They put up their best performance yet. They literally played their best game of the season against the best team that they have played, and they absolutely dominated. And, you know, people are going to compare this to what Baltimore did to Cleveland in week one. This is not what Baltimore did to Cleveland. This was an absolute domination by Pittsburgh. They dominated in areas they were good at, like the defensive line. They dominated in areas where they stink and the Browns are supposed to be good at, like run blocking. They absolutely dominated in every phase of the game. Big Ben dominated the secondary, made Denzel Ward look goofy out here trying to Marcus Peters a route by, ja by James Washington and then let James Washington walk by him for an easy touchdown there. Um, good job by Ben for, for throwing the eyes off there, but also then Denzel knows how terrible the secondary is behind him. Why would he try to do something like that? I don't know. It's just the Pittsburgh got into him. The Hinesville got into him. We know what the Browns, when they get in the Hinesville, goofy stuff happens. They play like this. But this is one of their worst performances in the field that I can remember in quite a long time. And that includes the year they went 0-16 because that game at least came close. They're playing Landry Jones, but at least the game came close. So this is one of the worst performances I've seen the Browns put together against the Pittsburgh Steelers in quite some time, and that includes some of their worst stretches. So I get why a lot of fans are just dead right now um, and hurt by what the Browns did there because, again, Pittsburgh came in there. Boy, they look like a Super Bowl contender. I didn't think they were going to come out that stretch with, what, the Browns, Tennessee, and Baltimore. You know, Tony said 7-0. I might have to get a Dante Moncrief jersey or something <laughs> because they might come out of that stretch 7-0. They look nah. like they could because it, it looked like everything that we were worried about the Steelers team decided, hey, we're playing a big game. We're playing up the competition. We need to turn it on. They absolutely did. The secondary wasn't a problem. The linebackers weren't that big. Even after Devin Bush got hurt, unfortunately, out for the year, they their backup played well. All these things just came together for Pittsburgh. The pass rush was a lot more consistent. Oh, my God, it was a lot more consistent. Ask Baker Mayfield's ribs, how more consistent that was there. Um, and then if you flip the sides of the ball, Ben, he's been as good as advertised, even better in this game. You know, I know he didn't explode the stat sheet out there, but Ben was absolutely being the exact same big Ben that has given everybody in Cleveland, Ohio nightmares for the last 10 years or 20. I don't even know how long he's been here, like 15 years. Has it been 15, Tony? It's been over 15. 2004, he was drafted. It's been over 15 years he's been doing this. He did it again. He's a He, he doesn't age. He doesn't age. I don't know. I'm tired of it. But yeah, <laughs> they're really good. Let me get that out of the way. No, they're not going six and ten. They're not going to go seven and nine. They're going to be a little bit better than eight and eight. They might go twelve and four. They might come out the AFC. It might be their year. Good God, they're they're back to steel curtain levels over there in Pittsburgh. Get hype, Tony. Get your juice and everything. Now I'm going to talk to Browns fans specifically because man, we need to relax. All right, this was as bad as a game can get. You got blown out by Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. I understand it. But this team is still 4-2. 
You beat a good Indianapolis Colts team. The Bengals are no pushover. Like you're not four and two by accident. And this whole nonsense talking about Chase Case Keenum is going to be better than Baker. When has Case Keenum ever been better than the alternative ever? <laughs> when has he ever been the better than the alternative ever? Ever. Like, tell me the one time. Even when he went to the NFC North champ, the NFC Championship game, he was not better than the alternative. Everybody else just got hurt in, in Minnesota. He's not better than the alternative. You're not going to save your team by putting Case Keenum in here because you know what Baker Mayfield's issue is? He can't slide. He can't find holes in the uh, pocket to be able to find some of these passing lanes to find open wide receivers. He can't get enough time in the pocket against Pittsburgh, at least, to step downfield and throw balls downfield and make those long completions. He can't do it because, one, the line wasn't good this week, but even when it wasn't, he doesn't have the footwork there. Do you know what Case Keenum's problems are? Those exact same things, except for he has a terrible arm, and that arm ain't going to hold up when you ain't playing in domes like the NFC North and you're playing outside at Cincinnati, at Pittsburgh, you know, in Cleveland at the end of the season, that just ain't going to work there. So if you think Case Keenum is going to save you, you have been deluded. That is a delusion. Case Keenum is not going to save you. He's not your superhero. I understand Baker Mayfield is not playing great right now, but you need the Browns. And we knew this before the season started. All the Browns needed was above average quarterback play, C-plus quarterback play to B-minus. That's what Baker Mayfield had been through four games throughout this season in like two quarters against uh, Indianapolis. He'd been a C-plus, B-minus guy. He got injured. He has the hurt ribs. Now he's playing D-minus football, but putting in a D-minus quarterback to replace him, mm, eh, I don't really think that beats Pittsburgh. So call it for Case Keenum. I understand people want to see a change because Baker Mayfield has not looked like an A-plus guy at any point in the last two seasons, but he is your best hope to do anything this season because if you put in Case Keenum, you'll do exactly what the Panthers did last year, which is start 4-2 and and end 5-11 and because Case Keenum ain't going to do it. That ain't it. You want to trade for somebody? I'm all ears on who you want to trade for, but the option on the rosters right now, yeah, yeah, Baker Mayfield's the best option. You got to deal with it. And unless you got somebody you could trade for, unless you out here trying to trade for Jameis, which ain't nobody trying to do, <laughs> you ain't got no better option. So, you know, save me with the Case Keenum stuff. That's just asking for this team to be what they've been for the last 20 years, which is just absolutely dysfunctional, and I'm not trying to watch that again. So Baker Mayfield, right. once he gets healthy, if he can get healthy during this week, let's see how he plays against the Bengals. Let's see how he plays this year because we know Case Keenum's not the solution there. Um, The Browns have some issues they need to work out, but we knew this was a flawed team coming into the season. I said that this would be a flawed team that would be about 9-7 and seven to 11-5. and five. After this mm -hmm. Pittsburgh game, what did we say? This is a flawed team that will probably be about 9-7 and seven to 11-5. and five. So just because we aren't Super Bowl contenders because we thought we would be Super Bowl contenders for like one week does not mean this season is lost. What are we? What we were playing for was to change the narrative, was to have a better season than normal, was to get a playoff start, to start this window off and see what we have in Baker Mayfield. You still have the opportunity to do that. So don't panic. The season's not over. You lost to Pittsburgh. I get it. Everybody wants to be sad about it. But then let's go out there. Same situation after week one. Beat, beat Cincinnati and build off of that because, oh, my goodness, I am tired of all the woe is me, poor Browns fan stuff out there. You're four and two. Nobody cares how sad you are. You're four and two. Win your next game. This ain't this ain't same old Browns unless you want it to be same old Browns. 
But that's what I got to say. Pittsburgh, I got absolutely nothing negative to say about Pittsburgh. They played a plus, plus, plus game on all sides of the ball. They did everything they had to do. They came in there playing with the playoff intensity, and they blew the Browns out the window. And the Browns learned they ain't there yet. They ain't ready to play at that level with that kind of team. The Browns need to figure it out and see what they could come into week 15 and 17 like because they have to answer on that. They cannot look that bad in week 15 and 17 that they looked in week one and six. So that's going to be up to them. But hats off to Pittsburgh. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. And as far as I'm concerned, there's three teams that can come out the AFC. It's the Steelers, it's the um, Chiefs, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. And that's it. Browns ain't on that tier. Tennessee and, might be in there. Eh, Tennessee got a lot to prove to me before I could put them in that tier there. Um, did they lose this week? No, no. They, no, they, they won. Oh, no, they, they came didn't. back. They came they back last come back. minute. Yeah, yeah, last minute there. But, you know, everything else, those are the three teams I have no doubt can do it. You know, at the Washington right. play. So those are the three teams in that tier. Everybody else is clawing to get in there. Um, and the Browns just got learned, just learned, hey, you know, we ain't in that tier yet. So that's fine. Right. You got to get right. better. And part of the season was, hey, let Baker Mayfield develop and see what he is at the end of the season. And all I know is that this is week seven, not week 16. We're not at the end of the season. So I don't know why everybody's just like, oh, the analysis done on Baker Mayfield. Let's waste the first overall pick and just go with Case Keenum because that's what's going to save the freaking team. All right, Tony. Uh, <laughs> we before we, yeah, we, before we get to you, Tony, we're going to give you some overtime time there. Uh, we got Matty Bond's super chat for $2. He says the trib, your super chats have been revoked. Looks like the trib clapped back. And it looks like, hold on, hold on. Before we get to that one, it looks like uh, Tony Serino. Got that one marked down. Says Quincy, it might be the Steelers' year. He's got yeah. that documented there. Got that documented. The trip fires <laughs> back with a five dollar one and says, "Matty Bond, okay, buddy, I give Baker four weeks. I think he needs a fire under him. I believe Baker could be a top ten, but he's not a top twenty right now. And I believe, hold on, it's one more no, here. One more. There's one more here from." DF Sports that says, thank you, Quincy, for $2. Wait, 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 so, appreciate so, you guys. so does the trip think that Case Keenum is a top 20 quarterback? I have no that's, idea. That's the implication there, I guess, right? I guess yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that is, the, he's implying that's that Case, Case Keenum would be top 20. <laughs> so, uh, so, Let's so, so Randy, Tony. Don't. Let's just do it, right? <laughs> Tony. <laughs> that broke my brain. Yes, that yes, broke dude. my brain. I'm sorry. Tony, <laughs> this is the moment that you've been waiting for my oh. friend. The floor, the floor is yours. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, vindication. This is vindication week for, for Steeler fans in chat. Uh, look. This was supposed to be a heavyweight fight, right? This was supposed to be the heavyweight title fight. The Browns coming in, best Browns team we've seen in, in many years going in. And instead, this ended up being, you know, Mike Tyson versus the tomato can, right? I mean, this was this was every Steelers-Browns game we've seen for the last 20 years. Mm. Um, and, and the problem is, here's the thing, right? It's a, it was a knockout. Let, let, let's, let's start with where the game ended. Because the game ended three plays in the Browns' first offensive possession, right? I mean, Mick, mm -hmm. Mick Fitzpatrick, pick six. And I would love to get on here and ha, 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 you know, look how great Mink is. Okay, but and, and look, a bad throw. It's a, it's a, no, it's not just a bad throw. Okay, yeah, Baker so Mayfield, bad. Baker Mayfield can't read a defense, and this is what I've been saying for so many years. And this is why he threw twenty-one interceptions last year, and it's why he's probably going to throw close to twenty this year. Look, I talked last week about how Ben Roethlisberger did a great job of, of reading and diagnosing against Philly. You know, they're seeing cover two and cover six and manipulating a safety and whatnot. Okay, this interception that Baker Mayfield threw, he sees too high before the before the play. Okay, he thinks it's too high safety look. And so he knows he has – he sees Cam Sutton has outside leverage on his tight end. Cool. It's third and four. I'll go easy over the middle to a slant route here. Easy completion, right? Except as soon as the ball's hiked, it's not cover two. It's actually cover one, and Mink is in a robber role. And, and But Baker never looks to, to verify that the coverage is not disguised. 
He never sees nope. Minka come down. He throws it right to him. I mean, I would love to give Keith Butler credit for the disguise and Minka credit for the disguise and the pick, but that's all on Baker Mayfield. I mean, look, this, this game was, in a lot of ways, an indictment on Baker. Now, are you should you be ready to give up on Baker Mayfield at this point? No, but let's understand the NFL that we're playing in. In 2020, it's never been easier to play quarterback in the National Football League. That's why we can watch guys come in and completely revolutionize the game in their first year as starters. We saw Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson both do that in back-to-back years. Okay, so you know this is a this is a league where you you kind of have it or you don't. Yes, there are Ryan Tannehills. Yeah, there are Ryan Tannehills that that have to change systems and and have to go through things before they emerge as a talent. But I think at this point, if you're talking about Baker Mayfield, unfortunately to say, I think I think his ceiling right now is like Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff. He's a guy who you have to put in the best situation possible. And you are not going to win because of him. You are going to basically win in spite of him. You are going to drag him kicking and screaming to all your wins that you're going to get. Because when you put him in these big situations, okay, he, he comes up as small as you can do. And we saw Jared Goff do that in the past. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo do that in the past. That's who I think Baker is now. And now, can he get better? Sure, but I, I'm, I'm not confident uh, with where he is. And then I, I talk, you know, talk so, about the first interception. Yeah, go ahead. Now I was going to say, just to add to your point, Baker Mayfield right now, and the AFC North at least, has the best all-around offensively weapons that anybody in the AFC North can have. Like we said, best O-line, wow. one of the best receiving cores, and a great running back court. You can talk about the Browns' defense being an up-and-down defense, but overall, the Browns, like, if, if I, as a Ravens fan, God, I would love to have those receivers in that interior O-line because our interior yeah, O-line is not great. Line. Let me get that line, Quincy. Yeah, I will. That line. I saw, there's some fans that want to sell you everything. They want to get rid of the whole team. So you know, you I, might I, be a fire sell. I, I will. No, I will. They, agree, all the remember, are there. Remember that this is the one caveat I will say for Baker and why maybe they they should play this out is because this is Stefanski's first year, right? I mean, Sean McVay took a time to get Jared Goff really playing at a high level. Okay, so you know, if they're gonna win, if they're gonna say, "Hey, Baker's good enough. He's not. He's not great, but he's good enough." Let let Stefanski play. I mean, I'm definitely do not bench Baker Mayfield. I'm not a bench yeah, Baker guy. No, not, no doubt right. about it. Now, I do want. I mean, well, I do want to talk about Baker's second interception though, because he can't. You know, that was another really bad throw. And, and as much as I love Cam Sutton and would love to say Cam Sutton, you know, who I think could start on a lot of teams in the NFL, made a great play. It wasn't. I mean, Baker rolling away from coverage. What are you doing? Thrown into that. Turnovers were going to be the difference in this game. They absolutely were. But it wasn't just the two ints. The, the Steelers had had five turnovers in this game because they had three fourth down stops which were just as good as turnover. They gave the Steelers great field position. They scored two touchdowns off of those. And the Steelers got three fourth down stops because they dominated the trenches of this football game. Credit to Mike Tomlin, who, and this is a, this is a very Mike Tomlin or Bill Cowher type of game. The Steelers came out to out physical. The Browns all, all week, it was, this, this is a great offensive line, great power rushing attack. How are the Steelers going to stop them? And that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the question on Sunday. This question on Sunday was, how are the Browns going to run on such a dominant front seven? And credit to Mike Tomlin for getting his team to believe in that because they also got this offense believing in that as well. And the power rushing attack was on Pittsburgh's side, not on Cleveland's. You know, what's interesting, and look, I'm not trying to bag on Quincy here. Like, you know, look, and it's all week I've been here like, oh, you should go after Quincy, go after Quincy. Look, why, why should anyone go after Browns fans for believing that this team could beat the Steelers? Of course, they should. They are fans of a football team who's playing as good as this, they've seen this team play in 20 years, and they're going to go into Pittsburgh and play well. Every Browns podcast I went on asked me the same question. It wasn't just Quincy. They said, how are the Steelers going to stop the running game? Okay, How are they going to stop the Browns rushing attack? 
And I said, I said one thing. I said, look, I think the Steelers have to stay in base. There's no secret to this. If the Steelers stay in base, they will be a better. They are a better run defense than the than the Browns are a rushing attack. Okay, but I thought that if they if the Browns went to nickel or excuse me, that the Browns made the Steelers go to nickel, well then they could have some success. But if they if the Steelers are allowed to stay in base, this thing's over, right? The problem is that the 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 coaching staff for Cleveland believed that they could stay in 12 personnel. They could stay with two tight ends and actually have success running the football. They allowed the Steelers to stay in base. 21 of the 33 plays in the first half of the Browns were out of two wide receiver sets, meaning that they had either two running backs or two tight ends on the field. You can't do that against this Steeler team. This is the best front seven in the National Football League, without a doubt. They were better than they were a year ago. They lost Hargrave. They upgraded because they got back a healthy Stephon to it. The Browns came into this game averaging 188 yards on the ground per game, 188. They got 75 in this game. And and by the way, 30 of that came by Dontrell Hilliard, who came in in garbage time late. I mean, they had they had like 40, 50 yards of real rushing yards when the game was still uh, in play. This was a dominant performance. And, and as, as far as the pass rush goes, the Steelers are getting pressure better than anyone in the National Football League right now. 40% of snaps. The Steelers get pressure. 40% of all passing plays, the Steelers get pressure. The next best is Baltimore, and Baltimore is getting pressure at 30. The Steelers are in a different league when it comes to pass rush. Sacks, 12% of, of plays, the Steelers are getting sacks. The next best, Tampa Bay, 9%. Again, another league of pass rush. And, and nothing was more evident than, than on Sunday when Kevin Stefanski waved the white flag at the end of the third quarter and said, look, there's no amount of scheming I'm going to do. There's no amount of moving the pocket. There's no amount of changing protection. There's no amount of leaving in a running back that's going to stop Baker Mayfield from getting hit on every play. I got to get him out of there. I got to protect my quarterback. Um, so credit to the Steelers defense, credit to the front seven for dominating this football game. And I'll go over real quick to the offense. I know we're running long here, but on the offensive side, I will give the Browns credit for this because I said on this podcast that I thought that the Steelers would have some success on that short middle of the field, quick throws like they've done all year. That was a weakness for the Browns. Well, the Browns actually did a very good job in this game early on of jumping routes. They were playing press a lot and they were jumping routes in this game. They got some hands on some football early on. Could have been a different game if, if one of those ends up in the hands of a Browns defender. It did not. Um, mm. So, you know, the, it, the problem for the Browns though, is that while it was a good game plan, it ended up costing them because they were jumping routes so often that, and I would love to give credit to Ben for this, but it's actually not Ben who called for the double move to James Washington. Of all people, it was Josh Dobbs who went to Randy Feekner and Ben Roethlisberger on the sideline said, hey, they're jumping all the quick routes, run a double move. They did easy touchdown to James Washington. Uh, you know, And then James Conner and the offensive line, Quincy touched on this, right? The Steelers have not been a great rushing team this year, but Tomlin got this team believing that, hey, this team wants to come in and dominate you. You go in there, right? You show that this is a better, we're, we're a better running team than they are. And that's what happened. I mean, you know, James Conner's lost a step. He doesn't have the burst that he used to have. But what he does still have is that short area quickness. And you saw that his ability to make people miss in a phone booth, okay? He, he made people miss in the hole at times that stopped what could have been a, a zero-yard gain or even a loss and turned those into five- and six-yard runs uh, by make, making people miss. He had a fantastic game. Um, and then, of course, you know, Chase Claypool. I don't know how good Chase Claypool is. I'm not ready to make any proclamations just yet. I will say this. He's second in yards per game in the AFC North. So, you know, our, our whole, like, who's going to be the best receiver in the AFC North this year? It may end up being Chase Claypool. I don't know just yet. Um, and then Ben Roethlisberger, got to talk about Ben because Ben's only thrown one pick. I cannot believe this. I cannot believe that we are five games into a season and Ben Roethlisberger has one interception through five games. He's been tremendous. Is one of the big reasons why this team is 5-0. and They're not turning the ball over. They're not beating themselves. And even in the game where they did try to beat themselves, they got away with it in Denver. 
Um, so high level football from the Steelers. Love to see it. Uh, and we'll see how this goes. They got two tough tests coming up, Tennessee and Baltimore in back-to-back weeks. All right, guys. We just had to get rid of Tony because <laughs> I was expecting the new That's what happens when you trust a Bengals fan to, to run the show after a Steelers <laughs> victory. Uh, but but thanks, you guys, for tuning in. This has been the AFC North Talk. I'm going to start with my man, Tony. Please let them know where they can find your stuff. Well, of course, you can find me here. If you're not subscribed to this channel, what are you doing? Okay. Please subscribe to this channel. Hit the notification. We are live 5.45 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesday is our review show. Thursday is our preview show. Please. I mean, you got you got to be subscribed to this channel. And then you can also find me over on Locked On Steelers. Uh, it is a daily podcast hosted by Christopher Carter. I am actually on Wednesday this week. I'm actually on tomorrow's episode. Uh, you can usually find me, though, on Tuesdays. I am on there on Tuesdays. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. Got a lot of Browns people following me over the last week or so. And dodge that one. I was ready for just, just a, a, so Hell. many tweets. Yeah, I was ready. I actually had one guy, I actually did have one guy who tweeted me and he said, Hey, great game. If we were healthier, you know, it would have been a different story, which agree to yeah, disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't health my, that man, my man Quincy, where can I find you at, bro? Uh, you can find me somewhere in Berea, Ohio, looking for the Browns want to because it wasn't there in Pittsburgh. It looked like Pittsburgh wanted that one much more than the Cleveland Browns did. Uh, but you can also find me on YouTube.com slash Quincy Carrier. Also, check me out on Twitch, Twitch.com slash Quincy Carrier. I'm just trying to spread y'all on as many platforms as possible because I don't trust anything going on with one platform. Right, going you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, you know, Twitch. Uh, all those links, you know, check them out there. I got Twitter. I'll, I'll send you all those links there if you ask for them. So, you know, check me out there. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a blast doing this, even when the Browns make it difficult for me, you know, it's always fun coming down here and having this chat with you guys. And my man, Sonny, let them know where they can find your stuff. It's obviously there, right? AFC North talk. I, I got the logo today. Anyway, um, and SE is for everywhere, guys. I'm still dealing with moving, as you can see from the mess. You don't even want to see that area over there. Whoa, we, I had to stop, man. Look at that super Whoa, chat. Look at that super Josh. chat. Coming super in. chat just came in. That one. For Ooh. my man Joshua Hunter, appreciate it, bro. $50. I called the Steelers pretenders last week. I look like a clown. Browns, keep your chin up. Third best in the AFC North is top two in most other divisions. So shout out to you, Josh. Appreciate that. You know, that's a wholesome note to end on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Wholesome, yeah. you know, everywhere. Yeah. Like he didn't Except say nothing about the Bengals, you know? Exactly. I'm going to start a petition. Let the Bengals into the NFC East this year. We're, let's do it. I You'd think be that's first, how Zach right? Taylor does it. I think that's how he does it. But, Sonny, let him know, man. Uh, SE is for everywhere, guys. And like I said, I have been spotty posting because I move. I have moved and I'm still dealing with a lot of the move. But thank you for everybody that has been following, asking me questions and all that. Twitter, SE is for everywhere. And here, guys, this is a great project that we're doing together with great people, great podcasters. Make sure you follow all of them. Yeah, for sure. And you guys know that you can find me obviously here afc north talk but if you want to hear some more bingo stuff you can find me follow me on twitter at new stripe city you can find me on youtube at new stripe city um and yeah this has been afc north talk hope you guys enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the intro and now i hope that you enjoy the outro so please be sure to like comment and subscribe this has been afc north talk are you listening Damn.
Yeah.